0: This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it.
1: This episode contains spoilers from the Actar series by Sarah J. Mass, as well as discussions surrounding domestic abuse and physical violence.
0: everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we're talking about A Court of Wings and Ruin. war for those in the fandom and to me it should be called, oh my god, just say what you're thinking out loud. Oh my god, this could all be avoided. Please just talk to each other. (laughs) Drama, drama, drama.
1: So I guess from what you may have known um, from pre- previous episodes, I am new to this whole fantasy thing, and I've always been leaning heavily into Laura, specifically with Akatar as my um, as my point of reference to begin everything. And Laura has. I, Google did not exist anymore. She said, do not look anything up. Do not look at fan art. You will get spoilers. You, I am your Google now. I will do all of this for you. Let me let me do this for you. She censored everything. But I, I'm also somebody who I love surprise. I love good surprises. I'm not someone who's like, oh, yay, bad surprise. Nobody likes a bad surprise. So I love this journey. She TikToks, images, fan art. So in this process, as I've been pitching the, I've, I've been using my pr skills to pitch this series to my other friends i have been giving them the same instructions but i digress um so i've had to look back on my notes i've only finished this book in september and i still can't handle a reread yet laura i think has reread it for the fifth time so we'll be diving into that today um i don't know like where's our, our
0: jumping off point what do you say laura I I think it's important to point out that when I was pitching this series to you, I told you that after um, Mist and Fury, if you were done, you were done. Like, this book was not something that you needed to read. And um, I don't love this book at all. I could take or leave it. But I remember you just, you loved this book. I loved this. I
1: was... I was so I remember I go I need to call I need to call you again after it was over and I feel so bad cuz you were getting ready for your brother-in-law's wedding. You're like, I have some time but we could chat. So, thank you for that. Sorry, Jean, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but it was just I think I think this probably it comes back to what we talked about in the second episode of the importance of that found family, and I think that is why I loved this one so much is because you you learn more about the characters, and it's not just about Feyre and Reese. There's there's pockets of information of additional characters that you want to know and their relationships with each other as friends, as professionals, uh, as family, and I loved that you got to see and learn so much more than just being people who are just there floating around in the background.
0: That's true. And the found family trope was really hammered in hard in this book. When I was re-listening to this, I was trying to kind of keep a count in my head of how many times um, Sarah J. Mass used certain words. And my family, my family, it must have been 10,000 all the time during the battle when they're just having dinner when they're separated and but it's interesting because
1: i think this is the first time that she felt that she had a family too i mean she has sisters she has a father yeah they're related by blood but you know what do they say in supernatural blood don't mean family Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's true and i feel like that that
0: is really you hit it hits here it must. <laughs> it, it must. I think the family is kind of the, the motivating factor in her, I don't know, decisions to do ev- everything. Although I have to say the found family trope was sidetracked with me by the the self-sacrificing trope, which was also hammered in so hard in this book. It was that. So I, I said I reread this. I finished this about two hours ago. Is is my like Fourth, I think, all the way through, read of this, and uh, the found family trope is fine. The self-sacrificing trope really started to bother me, and the for- the foreshadowing is just so obvious. Like now that I'm so familiar with the story, and I was going to ask
1: you, do you feel like? the foreshadowing hits more, maybe not hits more, but you're more aware of it now because you've read it for a fourth time, or is it because there've been some influences on TikTok that we're seeing that other people are pointing out and you're just like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Or, you know, bringing in other people's perceptions and perspectives to this fourth read.
0: That's a good question. Um, I I think I think once you can kind of take out the emotion of it, it's just so glaringly obvious. Like Amarin is an angel. It is so fucking clear that she is an angel. Just they paint blood over their, their doors. They like sacrifice all, you know, it's, Oh my God. She prefers lamb's blood. Like, yeah, that's that's right. Even from the second book. She said her father was a, a, like a wrathful God like gee what could that be like like obviously she's an angel and I, and I remember after this book came out everyone was like what is Amron what is Amron what is Amran? it's like well I mean duh we we know <laughs> we know what Amran is um so yeah I, I using that as an example I think that the the foreshadowing is just so completely blatant and you know that's good on Sarah though because she She like sprinkles it throughout, and it's taken this many read throughs to really see everything that she put there um because the first few times are so emotional.
1: I was gonna say I think that's also a testament to her writing because even when I think of reading good like reading books on good reads. I think of it as, am I reading it because of content or how I felt? And more or less, I've been re- reading the books based on how I felt. And I think that's where how so many people are passionate uh, within the SJM community specifically is I'm not saying that she's not a great writer. She's a good writer in the fact that she can evoke these emotions out of her readers and you have people who are great writers and just like um college professors (laughs) they write great things they're very factual information um but they might not necessarily i'm not going to get super excited about certain subjects that doesn't mean that they're not good writers and i think sarah has found you know she's there's an emotional aspect of reading that gets people so immersed into these worlds
0: so Jess, when when you're reading it because i know that you love this book what besides the fam family really like stood out for you what made you love this
1: um i i think that it was it kind of touched on it you had friendship you had love you had adventure there was self-sacrificing i think i liked the 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 Dynamics between not just the group as a whole, but individual relationships. You can see character growth. Um, I think of Lucian. I've liked Lu- I, I've been skeptical about Lucian, but I liked him since the first book. And I remember telling you that. I don't know why. He's he's the sassy best friend. He's he's the Tommy Merlin to Oliver Queen. <laughs> I just I I liked him, but he doesn't necessarily have a mind of his own and you start seeing that at the end of Akamath and I think I just sent you a voice text from a, a text a voice message reaction from TikTok and he's just questioning himself as a person i think that each of the characters there's a lot of um, self self growth and Recognition that the characters are having, and I think that's important. And it's important that it's not the same. They've all gone through different lived experiences. Um, Feyre, is questioning herself. I think there was even a scene where she's just one. She's understanding that she doesn't need to seek permission. She can take ownership of the choices that she makes. And sometimes, some of those choices you're not they're not going to be the best and they're go- you're going to question yourself and you're going to fuck up. And it, are you going to learn from those mistakes? Or, you know, we're we're all human or even if you're all fay in this world, um, just because you make the mistake once doesn't mean you're going to learn your lesson. It's going to happen time and time again. I mean, how many times is Reese going to sacrifice himself to realize he doesn't have to carry the burden of saving an entire world.
0: Well, at least three so far. <laughs> so far. So let's talk about the lack of communication between the characters in this book. I think it's a good way to kind of touch on other topics as well. But um, oh, my God, I just I i, I know. <laughs> I know it's a plot device. <laughs> I know. I know it's a plot device. And, you know, you you get the the intrigue and the secrets and the drama by not Discussing everything, and that's a big part of you know YA and just like teen TV shows, but Jesus Christ, just the if if Nesta could just tell everybody what she's feeling and what she went through, if people would listen to what Elaine is saying, if more would just confess, this is a whole other thing, if more would just confess everything to everyone involved, then. As real could also confess and move on. Um, it's just oh it's oh my that, God. I feel like that also
1: mirrors life. Like, yes, absolutely people need to communicate. That is stressed time and time again, whether you're you're in therapy individually, whether you're in couples therapy, whether you have therapy between business partners, and there's all these different dynamics, but at the foundation, if the communication isn't strong. That's where everything is just how you said, just fucking talk and we wouldn't be here. But that's also life that completely mirrors life. We internalize things. We were unsure or not only do we internalize, we create these scenarios in our head of the possibility of how they can go. And then, man, it, and then that creates the anxiety, which creates the spiral of not wanting to continue to communicate. And it's just this, circling the drain aspect of where, how do you start? Where do you begin? How do you end? Is it going to end? It's just this catastrophic thing that
0: goes on in your head. So I say there's, I mean, you're right, of course. Um, so I, I'm going to give two, two examples. So the first example is of healthy communication. And that is when Cassian tells Feyre when they're training that he is angry with her. He's angry with her about her choices, about her not telling them that she was high lady, that if she had, then that would have impacted how everything went down in Highburn. And he felt just that not telling him was a betrayal and that he needed to tell her and express exactly how angry he was.
1: And I and I like that. In that conversation that he has with Feyre, not only was important for him to say it for himself, I think it was important for their relationship. And it was also interesting that it not only brought up the situation immediately at hand. But the past 50 years, like he felt like this Reese did the same thing 50 years ago. And here he is thinking, you're like, you're thinking you're dispensable. You're just like Reese. You keep thinking this is for the, you're sacrificing yourself, doing for the good of others. And it's bringing up that trauma that wasn't even still really at this part of the book. It still hasn't been addressed. Even when he winnowed back from under the mountain to Valeris, he just All he did was confess his like, oh, my gosh, she's my mate to more. And everybody was, you know, nobody really knew except more. And it still hasn't been addressed what
0: Reese had done. Mm -hmm. And and that is kind of a theme throughout because there are different instances in the book like a High Lords meeting where they start bringing up Amarantha. They start bringing up Under the Mountain. And because it has never actually been talked about with the inner circle, it's kind of taboo. And um, this isn't my other example that I was going to point out, but something that I just thought of. Um, When Nesta is having dinner with all of them and she's, you know, she's there and Amarin is there and she starts asking Amarin, like, why are your eyes like that? Why are you like? What are you? And Amrin is just like, no one has ever asked me these questions before. um I know that's a, a device for us, the reader, to kind of get a little bit more background into Amrin. But I also really like how Amrin's like, they didn't ask it because it's fucking rude. Like, come on. And Nesta doesn't care, and she's just like, please, like, what is what is going on, like what being are you because she's also feeling that she um doesn't have a place and she doesn't fit in and she's trying to kind of relate to somebody and i think that's another form of dysfunctional but also healthy communication and um and just kind of jumping off from that if you want to go to kind of a unhealthy communication i think the whole fara more situation um it starts off as a very unhealthy communication situation. From Akamath? No, from Akawar. I'm talking specifically about when Farah doesn't tell more that she's leaving to go find the Surial in the battle. Oh, okay. And then that evolves into a fight about honesty and more um, not being honest. About Azriel, and then that turns into later Moore's um, confession about preferring females. So it starts off very unhealthy, and and morphs into uh, I don't know a, a clunky kind of. Would you say it was healthy
1: in the end? I mean, there was obviously resentment. I, I don't know if Moore. it it was kind of like um, projecting in a way she's frustrated at favorite and not to say that favorite wasn't in the wrong. I mean, I understand where more is coming from to a degree because she goes, you know, where's, where's the truth? Where's the honesty? You're supposed to trust me. We're supposed to be not only best friends, but how can you, you're supposed to trust me as your as high lady. If I'm supposed to be this person to you, put our friendship aside. And I think that's something that Feyre has to, I mean, again, she's 21. We're still learning it, you know, at our age. So those boundaries and learning not just where you are, but like you said, the communication of having an unhealthy, unhealthy communication, I guess, I guess you can consider it unhealthy. I don't want to say... Oh, they just don't know how to communicate. I guess that's really just a rephrasing of the same thing.
0: I don't know. Like Farah, like throwing it at more like your gift is truth, but you can't even face the truth within yourself. It's like, damn, was that really necessary? Like, but then but there's all this. I guess it goes back to just fucking talk. Yeah. And it wouldn't be
1: all this stuff in limbo in the air because even Farah and when Farah and Reese were having their own conversation at one point, they said she she said something to Reese about more and leading as on. And Reese is like, don't don't go there. Don't talk about it. This is just this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. We're not going to address it. So it's everything's just constantly looming And you don't know what, so uh, yeah, Amron saying to Nesta, that's rude, but also good for Nesta asking the real questions because this is still completely new to her. She doesn't, and it goes back to something that we spoke about last week's episode, or you specifically mentioned, this isn't our world. We're used to certain cultural norms, things that are accepted by society, and Nesta's still mentally in a human world. She's so even if that's not acceptable in a human world, that might be acceptable in the Fae and Amorin all the more respects her for it, even though she says it's rude.
0: No, you're exactly right. Exactly right. Um, think Um Going back to things looming above, above you because no one's talking about it. It has to be addressed in, in the books that are coming, but Lucian and, being Helian's son. Yeah, can you how did Feyre connect the dots? I can't remember where she goes, "Huh. Oh my god, it's actually kind of dumb. She's looking at Helian, she's like, "Huh, he's got the same nose and smile as Lucian." And then and then Helian starts talking about how he saved Lucian's mom when she was on the run during the first war, and Thera's like, "You had an affair." And Helian's like, "A gentleman never talks." And then she sees Lucian. She's like, "Oh my God, they're the same." It's very loose. Okay, so it wasn't. It
1: was just kind of like um, I feel maybe it was like a throwaway thing at the time.
0: I, I don't. I don't know because by the Not end of now. the book, by the end of the book, um, in that last, like one of the last scenes where you know after the war everybody's together and they're all at house, the house, yeah? yeah, and she's like. And there's Lucian with his father that he doesn't know is his father. Like it was, it was one the, of the final points that was, that was really drilled. So in. that'll, that'll
1: definitely come up in silver flames. Right. And that, that I'm, I'm making that assumption people,
0: because look at the, look at the cover. I mean, you yeah. can't, I can't not be part of it at some point. And uh, just to remind the listeners, we will be doing a recap of all of the silver flame news before the book is released so we have all this time
1: there's gonna be so much you're gonna have all these podcasts with all the silver flames and when we all are done binging and then re reading again because we tried to get through it so fast i think this will this will be great to Mm -hmm. kind of share everybody's perspectives and remind everybody okay
0: what has happened in the last however many years since the first book came out for real um Kind of the last the last couple things I want to talk about under communication is the two 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 things. (laughs) The the healthy communication between Cass and Nesta at the very Is it healthy? I I I think I think so at the very like end when when they think Highburn is going to kill them and oh, yeah and Cassian you know is he kisses her and he's like you know I have no regrets except for we didn't have time together and I'll find you in another life and you know and and she Nesta doesn't answer him of course but she throws her body over him and um, you know, they're clutching each other knee to knee and they will go into the afterlife together. So that's is about as healthy communication as we can expect from Nesta at this point. That part reminds me of when
1: Amron says, like, mother, help us when you unleash what's inside you. I think I mean, that whole battle scene, you just you see the worry in her eyes because they've had something. You know, not to go down the silver flames discussion from last week, but there, there's something inherently there since before they even before Nesta turned Highfei. She, especially when he would, you know, from in, from Wings and Ember, he was at their house, and then even after this pivotal scene, where's that? Where there's the extra excerpt in the Frost and Starlight where. She's hooking up with somebody, and but at the same time, people are scared to like hook up with her because they know who she is in the fake community she They know who her brother-in- law is, and then everybody knows this thing that she has with cassian Cassian's the leader of the entire night court military, so everyone's really hesitant to even you know it's it's like when you're um like a frat sweetheart, nobody wants to go near you. <laughs>
0: for real, for real, like off limits. <laughs> oh, you're like, man.
1: please come on. I I swear it's not. I'm not terrible.
0: <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> we're gonna talk about at the end of this episode, Tamlin and his issues. I'm Tamlin, but we're, we're 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 gonna we're gonna save him for the end. I think the last point I want to make about communication is the weird, the weird nonverbal communication that is going on between more and Cassian in this book I really picked up on it this read through he is very physical with Moore in a way that we did not get in Mist and Fury and I know we're focusing on all the other characters a lot more in this book so I mean conceivably maybe they were always this touchy-feely but I, I feel like Cassian specifically I'll just say the scene specifically when Cassian has a sore maybe broken wrist and nesta starts bandaging it up and they're like holding you know they're like holding each other and like looking at each other and then more comes and he snatches his hand away right and nesta is just like sitting there like the fuck and then she gets up and 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 leaves so why did he do that like everybody knows that he has this thing with nesta why did he do that and then in another scene that really stood out and, and sarah makes a point to say cassian is massaging moore's feet in the living room in the day court house during the high lords meeting like after the high look before Helian comes in and has his whole thing he's massaging moore's feet why is he doing that <laughs> Yeah. I mean, maybe this is just not like I don't want to say not okay. I,
1: I don't want to judge other people's friendships. I personally don't have any guy friends who would just say, like, "Oh yeah, put your feet up." And I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's the friendship that they have after five hundred years. I mean, but I I can't remember. I feel like there was a point something that I read where he's internalizing something that when Cassian took Moore's maidenhead, he, he, and then he, as found out, he was just like, it, he was kind of caught between emotions. Cause he did truly like more, especially when she was 17, 18. Um, and so of course it was like, uh, are you sure? And he was all about it. And then he knew it's just something that's kind of, again, not to use the word throughout this episode, looming between him as and more. It's always been this thing that's kind of just been there, but they don't talk about it. They still carry on, and then and then even just just in their friendship, I don't know if it's just you know I, I wish I can put something on. I'm thinking of Frost and Starlight when she goes. Oh, yeah. Cassian didn't know what to get me. So he got her the lingerie and he led everybody to believe like, oh, I know what you like. And she goes, ha Thanks. You always know me so well. But then she goes, don't let him fool you. I told him what to get me. There is not a guy friend that I would say, hey, I really wanted this red negligee.
0: Please. Can you get it for me?
1: No, I just say, like, hey, get me a gift card and I'd get it myself.
0: I and mean, it. It, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, going going back to the feet the feet rubbing, they're doing it in the same room as literally everyone else, and as is just in the corner. Poor as. And, and this is, of course, let's remember this is after as attacks Eris in the High Lord's meeting. So this you could say because everyone says like, oh, more gets freaked out when as you know, shows his feelings or whatever. This is like a subtle way for her just to say, fuck you as I'm not interested without actually saying it like as would never, ever, ever go up and, and and just like casually reach out and start massaging feet, you know, right. it, it, it's, it, 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 it's, but it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's his dynamic with
1: her I, I just don't... There's so many unknown variables that Cassian felt comfortable enough. Um, but then Maury even says, like, she does certain actions when she feels like her and Az are, like, too close to ever anything ever happening, that she makes certain choices. Like, sleeping with... Was it Tar... Not Tarquin Helian, Helian, Helian. Or, you know, when... She makes certain actions, or she stays out late at Rita's, even though there's that's a whole other thing. Um I just it's
0: pushing somebody away. I don't know. She likes him. I just don't. Just tell, you know. just tell this sweet, sweet daddy Azzy that you're not in love with him. <laughs> daddy, let, daddy, daddy, daddy Azzy, daddy, daddy Azzy, fatty, daddy Azzy. Let this sexy man move on. <sighs> just, just let him. Down. I heart. swear to God. Like I and it really makes me, and I know that you love more, but it really makes me dislike her. The fact that she can't just 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 tell him like he's the best right. spy master in the world. He has to have some sort of idea.
1: But um, I think that's that's something that and I and this is and this is coming from somebody who is a cisgendered straight white female. So I don't know where she's coming from. Um, but who's to say that she can't because she's still processing things with herself. I mean, you have people who accept themselves all the time, but they might not, you know, internally because obviously she does. She does ad- openly admittedly say she does prefer females. She has been with females. Her first threesome was with females. Um, but, that doesn't necessarily you you have people all the time who are happily open with their friends but might not necessarily feel like they can get to that point with people who they also consider family
0: which is true and all completely fair points but also like this man is is being tortured like yeah. you are actively torturing this man and 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 you're making an effort to do it you're making an effort to do something to remind him that you're not interested like that do you think that as thinks that they're mates does he feel i mean we don't know this is just
1: speculation but that would be some cruel cauldron drama if he's if the cauldron tries to think oh you two are mates and they don't prefer each other's gender
0: i don't think so because Thera and reese have a, a conversation about it and Feyre asks, like, you know, like, about, about the mates thing. Like, it's been so long. If there was a mating bond, wouldn't it hit, have snapped in by now? And Reese says, like, I think As asked that every day. So. But, and As is also so true. Like, he doesn't feel like he's worthy of her.
1: Oh, like that poor man doesn't think he's worthy. Like, come here. Let me lick your wounds or whatever else. I will
0: take care of you, As. Yeah, baddy, Daddy Asy, we will we will take <laughs> care of you. Oh, poor thing. But but I think all of this kind of wraps up the fact that we really need an As perspective. We need an As book, and I know that we're getting a perspective of As as a uh, extra in the end. Oh, of the that'll
1: episode. fuel everything that I will need for however long till that next book
0: exactly so I we know that as a story isn't over yet I mean let's let's all just what explain. how do you, how would you even like a core of something in shadows
1: <gasps> Ooh, that could be a good title
0: for an as book oh yes <laughs> oh yes something with shadows I'm getting distracted. I know I'm getting distracted. Like thinking about it. Like "Mm." sound like Sarah. She was like, "Wait, I've been fantasizing." I've been fantasizing about conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I I, okay. So, ooh, I need I need to focus (laughs) and finish this point. Um, the last point I want to make, and this is all excluding Tamlin, which we'll talk about later. But the last point I want to make about communication is. Um, the communication that exists between Bre- uh, Reese and Thayra and kind of Reese and, and the inner circle. So we know that Reese and Thayra talk all the time and they, at this point, pretty much don't have any secrets because they share flashes of, you know, whatever, mind to mind. They talk down the
1: bond. Which is also how helpful that you don't necessarily have to communicate and you're just like here to like, yeah here here's my audio here's my
0: visual thought my video file can you look at it because i don't feel like talking about it (laughs) right right um so that's really good like they're there's always they're always having this sort of communication so fabulous for them the only thing that i really have a problem with when it comes to reese is how shitty he handled the heiress reveal when they went to the court of nightmares he didn't communicate that that was happening and as also knew it was happening and didn't share it to warn anybody. And that really, like, really hurt more a lot. Right. And it made Pharaoh like really pissed off. And even Airman says like, that was the right call Reese, but like you really screwed up the execution on that. Right. Like you, you should, you should have told people because that's the thing. I feel
1: like one, as his quote as his subjects for lack of a better word they would have gone with reese they would have followed suit understand and i think even more says the same thing i wasn't going to like it but i understand where you were coming from and that's that that's really what it comes down to is the communication to what you said because it hurt them more that it was a they were blindsided if they at least knew what they were walking into, they didn't have to be happy about it.
0: But they were still a united front. Exactly. 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 Um, so let let's let's move on to the High Lords meeting. Ah, this is so good. It, it, it's so good. So, Jess, when you read the High Lords meeting, how how did you feel? Like what was your reaction to it? I mean, I was stressed. I was happy. I just reread
1: my notes that I had sent to you. I re-listened to the audio of Tamlin. Ah, fucking Tamlin. I'm, uh, I don't, I know we'll talk about it later, but I'm so over everybody and their bullshit of Tamlin needs a redemption arc. Not every single fucking person needs a redemption arc. His redemption, he brought Reese back to life. Done. Over you. You are no value added. I'm sorry, Tamlin fans. You can go read Akatar 1. Like, <laughs> I'm just over them. But I loved, I think it's so funny with the High Lord meaning going into it. Reese is like, yeah, they can just believe us. And everyone's you know, sometimes Reese is a little bit delusional. No, you have just been playing this evil dark lord for years, and now you're like, I don't understand why nobody wants to believe really, you don't understand? Like maybe, maybe you were under the mountain a little too long. But I love I love Tarquin. Tarquin, I even told you Reese's Reese's Bay. We'll talk about it in Akamath of my crying at the kitchen table to you. (laughs) But I like Tarquin's like, "Mm, no, I hear things. I wasn't always High Lord. So I I see everything. So it makes sense why he was the first one to respond despite the blood rubies. It was exciting. You didn't know. It was just... It, it was an adrenaline rush. I was stressed. I was excited. I couldn't put the book down. I, I, ha- I was listening to the audio version. So I definitely threw my phone at some point at, at the Tamlin point, really, as we all know. I just, I, I love everything about it. I love the confrontation. And nobody, this hasn't happened. Like nobody has really been together since under the mountain. So there's a lot of, again, communication that shit needs to get put on the table. And there's going to be resentment because nobody openly really had this communication.
0: um, And you know that from Vivian and Moore's reunion. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So having having just re-listened to this, first of all, I'd like to go to the day court. That palace sounds amazing. My big takeaway from the High Lords meeting was, oh, my God, I hate Baron. I hate him so much. He is such a close. He's. Ugh, he's just the worst.
1: You know how I imagine Baron looks like? I don't know if there's fan art. I really don't care. You know the
0: Burger King King? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic visual I will have forever now. Thank you. It's amazing. I'm sorry. Well, now I'm trying to think. Like, <laughs> What did you think he looked like before? Honestly... <laughs> Honestly, Baron and the Autumn King from Crescent City are one in the same to me. Oh uh yeah, that's I literally just shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It uh they're they're one in the same. I really have problems like differentiating them. All I know is like the Autumn King and Crescent City wears like slacks and like jeans and shit. <laughs> like Baron wears like tunics, but essentially like the coloring is the same. And I
1: think I wanna bring up real quick because
0: we've had this conversation, and I go, you know. The autumn court,
1: especially when you see all the TikToks of what such and such court looks like. And it really, at this point, like I have, obviously I want to be in the night court, but I just look at them all and I go, I want that court. No, I want that. Like, they're all so beautiful. Um, And I would say, you know, there's some, there's, and everybody knows it's something beautiful with fall and you had to, but also the continuity that whoever, whatever story we're reading the king or the lord or whatever of the autumn court is a piece of shit and you were like well yeah because autumn is the season of death and decay and i think that's really important i think we forget about it because we get lost in the beauty but you don't if you you say oh let's get lost in
0: the beauty of death and the decay
1: (laughs) you sound really morbid
0: yeah yeah you're you're like oh my god everything is like red and and, you know all the yellow and orange and the colors it's like yes because they are slowly rotting away (laughs) which is you know an apt metaphor for what is happening in baron's court lucian says like it's very manipulative and backstabbing and people there are Always kind of working to consolidate power. You know his brothers are pieces of shit. We know this. Um, so I, I think I think that's really really important. Me personally, even reading uh, Throne of Glass, old men who are close-minded and just talk down to everyone drive me insane.
1: I mean that still happens now. It's not just in the books. This is. Every day for us,
0: yeah. Oh my god, it's so annoying. And the the way, I mean, obviously the way he he speaks and treats Farah is horrible. But you know, it's also expected. Um, The way that he treats his wife is really shitty. It, It just, he's just the worst. And ugh, just ugh. I. And as I mentioned before, when Az goes off on Eris, I just love, I loved that. I love that whole part. I love that Feyre was the one to go over and, you know, kind of touch him and get him off of Eris. And then she. Like bring him back to
1: like, okay, come on. Yeah,
0: like, like brings him back. And then she goes to the table and pours him a cup of wine. And then people start like sneering at that. She's like, he's my family. I will do this for him. And they were sneering that the fact that as was even sitting at the table, wasn't that the case? Yeah. Like screw you guys. Like baddie, daddy, as you can sit there. Like what's, what's the deal. Other takeaways. I really love Helian. I like, I love how raunchy he is. I love, I love how uh, sassy he is. Yeah. I told you,
1: I was looking at my, my notes. I go, we would be friends. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Like he, Helian and I are going out in the city. I'm, I'm ready to rage. I don't even care and even when he's just he's he's another lord and i think you it's just such a vast difference cuz he's another high lord and you, when you compare it to baron like no wonder the high lady of the autumn court was like fuck you baron like i'm going to go with this guy he's fun he loves life he's not miserable i mean even he he keeps offering like hey let's have an orgy as more in Cassian and I'm just like uh what what is going on he's just so open-minded about everything and wants to have fun and didn't he he even came by uh yeah he came by the inner circle to just say hi to everybody and he was like hey sorry how I acted I had to act a certain way out
0: there but y'all know y'all know the real me I thought that was just so great yeah and he he's actually he's he's wonderful and Actually, a point that I wanted to make earlier that fits in well here is, I forgot that that Reese had like that animal form, you know, that he like morphs into the bird. What is it? Like, I have not seen fan art of right. it, but Helian also has it. Right. So he turns into like a, I I pictured it as like some sort of giant the eagle or something yeah that's exactly i imagine the giant eagle yeah so and then reese turns into they say like the dark mirror of that um and pharaoh couldn't figure out if it was scales or feathers so i don't know probably the big evil bat looking thing um but i forgot about that, because when you think about like transformation, I always think about Tamlin because he's always as that like weird wolf thing, horn like lion wolf weird thing, man bear pig, man bear pig. <laughs> yeah, so I and I've never seen fan art of that, uh, of what of what they look like. So maybe I need to dig a little bit into that. But I I do like that both you know night and day come together and transform at the same time and just like go at it in the battle wreak havoc Ugh.
1: and i think and even in that moment fair like i forgot you know you you're so used to one form of a person and then you go oh i forgot that that's that's who else. they're also this warrior this is they're they're a warrior they're a survivor and i think i mean she she says something along those lines but i think that can also be said to the people that we know we have different I don't want to say different personalities, but we show different selves depending on who we're around. So you have people who will say, oh my gosh, this person's such a bitch. And your friends will will either be like, yeah, she is a bitch or, well, that's because she doesn't like you. That's not the person I see. Or if you're, you're always great around your friends and then they see you go off on somebody else because of your protecting your loved ones, your friends will say, oh, that's I forgot that side of her. I'm so used to seeing X side that I forgot. Y is living in there just as strong and she's just ready to pop off whenever the time allows it. And I feel like that's kind of what happened in that episode, that episode, that part of the book.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Like that is, it that, that is it exactly. And I, uh, you know, I really felt that way uh, about the battle in, in um the way that sarah describes cassian you know dancing and like being made for battle and like battle is a is a symphony for him and he dances through it that description was lovely uh you could just you you can visualize i mean she has her
1: podcast or she has her soundtrack-ish playlist on spotify but you can just visualize the dance to it wasn't this aggressive thing even though in a it is an aggressive act. It was just
0: so beautiful. And that's a side of Cassian that we don't see very often. Um, It's even mentioned in the book that the soldiers hadn't seen him in a full out battle in a long time. So that just going back to what you're saying about certain sides and certain people see different parts of you. I thought that was really important. And then Reese actually like using his power is something that, you know, they always say the most powerful High Lord in history, whatever, but you don't actually see him use it very often. And when he missed, like, half of that army in the final battle, so it was so hot. It's so sexy. He's just, like, snap, boom. Um, so, like, I really enjoyed that. That stuff, like, maybe it's just the book where I'm like, do it again. That was, like, <laughs> do it again. That was hot. Definitely. <laughs> just super hot. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk about Tamlin towards the end, but let's let's do top five moments. Oh, um,
1: right. Okay, so again, I've only read it once because every time I try to reread it, I, I just haven't tried to reread it. I haven't been there yet. Plus, I have so many books on my TBR. Um, initially, in no particular order, I will say the High Lord meeting, the battle scene, the, the battle scene, obviously at the end. Oh. Well, any battle scene Um, more coming out Cassian and Nesta at the end when she's covering him with her body and Cassian as seen coming to take favorite home might, might be top three. I'm not numbering anything, but that's definitely a top scene. I, I had to reread it twice that reunion was more important and that whole scene was more important to me than recent Favors' reunion. I think it was just more impactful. I think Sarah on her playlist has the certain medley from Swan Lake. And I just, I envisioned the whole thing. I saw it happening. I was crying. I didn't realize that I loved those two characters as much as I did until that moment. It's just so beautiful. And then also, I think it was important that they knew, they trusted They They gave her all the sk- She had the skills. It was understanding where, her level of comfort of how she was going to execute those skills to get out of that situation. Just everything from the arrival to the running across the lake to taking her home to declaring herself high lady like she she had known but to openly admit it to everybody like people outside of the inner circle i think it was just there are certain scenes in a book where you can perfectly visualize and there's no way hollywood can do it justice
0: yeah there there isn't there's there's no way those are excellent those are all very excellent scenes your turn my turn top five in no particular order the High Lord's meeting, all of it. This isn't a specific scene, but Lucian's perspective coming to Valaris, just the way that we see Valaris through his eyes. He he went in expecting to be in the court of nightmares, and then he says, "Like there's there's children outside," and he's in the the House of Wind, and he's overlooking Valaris. And I really like when he says, "How could." We And he says, we like Tamlin, the spring court and himself, how could we ever be enough? Like, how, how could we compare? And I think the, those fresh eyes really helped drive home the change in Lucian that you mentioned earlier, but also just what a kind of special, special place Volaris is and, and what it, you know, the magic it kind of has. It's interesting you bring that up with the Lucian point because him noticing kids,
1: because as we know in the Fae world, it is not easy to procreate and not the fact that they were happy to, and that was something he was like, there's kids, they're happy. This is like you said, it's a whole different perspective of what he, he didn't even know Valaris existed to begin with. (laughs) So to see all this, he's just, Oh, okay. This is not what I thought. And also I think it, he maybe realized It might not. Spring Court isn't enough for him either. After seeing Mm -hmm.
0: it all, exactly. So that was that was three. Of course, as you said, the the scene on the ice for all the reasons that you said, very very special. And Cass and Nesta clutching and ready to die for each other, as as we've already said. And then, um, you know, and re-listening to it, it, it's not talked about a, a lot, but. Thera um in the ouroboros in the mirror uh accepting herself and and the 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 description in the in when she's talking about it in the beginning she's like you know I'm probably not going to share this with anybody her whole like journey with the mirror and then later on she she tells everybody at the meeting at the end about the mirror and what she saw. And she tells Reese and she shows Reese. And she says that like she cried and she was hysterical and she stared into it and she forgave what she saw there. And she loved what she saw there. And of course that is her, the reflection of her truest self and she loves and forgives herself and she completely accepts everything that she sees. And of course, you know, she accepts herself and all her past mistakes and she she loves herself. And, it, you know, it's a really wonderful message. Should You should love yourself. To go off that, and I think maybe some of the things that I've
1: been seeing on Instagram or just different forms of media is, like you said, accepting your truest self and recognizing your mistakes and If you want to take ownership of those react those those actions, that in not all actions you're not going to be perfect. We've talked about that earlier in this episode. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to have to if you want to change. The change is there, and it reminds. I just watched this special episode of Euphoria last night, and you did. Oh my god, I was crying, and I just between that and the Ouroboros, I thought it was just so beautiful. The dialogues, understanding that you can be a piece of shit or you cannot, you have choice. You get to choose how you want this to go and you can still accept those choices or you can not accept them and just know who you are at your core as a person. And I think that was just because you've made other decisions in your life that doesn't necessarily affect who you are at your core. And I thought that was really important. And I think that, reminds me of the Ouroboros you've made these choices you've done these things you are still you you have to be okay with the you that you live with and my I, my godmother got me this compact mirror from Tiffany's when I graduated high school and I still keep it with me and she goes you have to be okay you have to remember keep this with you always and be okay with the person that you're looking with in the mirror and if you're okay with those choices you know but if you don't like who you're looking at, at the mirror then like you choose to change that, you know, and I think that's so important for the acceptance. And I, I love that only so far, Feyre has been the person to take ownership of who she is because nobody you, you hear that nobody really can, you know, conquer the Ouroboros.
0: Yeah, the, they say very specifically, like people go in to claim the Ouroboros and they go mad. Mm-hmm. They can't handle what they've seen there. So that's a fantastic point. We're still gonna talk about Tamlin. But he, he's this whole other section. So he's th- an episode. How much time do we have? I think we can we can kind of wrap this section of it up before we talk about Tamlin. So I'm going to ask you, what are your final thoughts about this book?
1: I still I, I love Akamath more. Akawar is my second. I liked it. I know you're not a fan again, this is going off of my first read. I haven't reread it. I haven't had time to be frustrated about some of the, oh my gosh, lack of communication. I mean, I do with our conversations that we've had outside of my first read, but I still enjoy it as an emotional piece. And and that's that's really where my final thoughts are of the emotion that I that I got to just and I think it felt like closure in that point too because it really is tied up you know you feel like that part of the the storyline is tied up even though we have Akifas after I mean I think there there is that part that factors in my decision too where I just oh my gosh like this world is over this world that you introduced me to I'm just it's I, I'll never reread it for the first time again oh that's very emotional
0: that is that's so emotional like damn <laughs> I'm going to go the total opposite and say my my final thoughts are is there a word count for how many times the word unleashed or unleashing was used because that was also 60,000 unleashed family I think it's impossible to count how many times Sarah used unleashed or unleashing in this episode because it must have been a hundred thousand because I felt like it was every other word and it just it, it made me like cringy it was like there has to be like at this, like, maybe I would just go to the thesaurus. Maybe I'll just do it myself. We should, uh,
1: you know, sometimes she needs to dive into some fanfics to see what words they're using. <laughs> see, what, see what
0: they're using. So the repetition of the word unleashing or unleashed uh, was pretty annoying. But what really stuck out to me in this book was Nesta's journey. And I know it's like a, like a side, side, sidebar plot in this book. But I've, I feel like she starts off Cold. And she, she very closed off. Um, you know, she's in the House of Wind and Farrah's not there yet. And then Farrah comes and... She's literally in hideout. They have to hide her. Yeah. And then then and they slowly bring her out. You know, she starts... She has the dinner. She starts training with Amarin. She's reading smutty books in public. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the more time that they kind of spend together, Nesta has a lot of growth, right? Like she volunteers to go to the Court of Nightmares to to look at the the artifacts with Amron. She admits to Feyre that she has to use buckets to bathe because she's afraid of the bathtub because it reminds her of the cauldron. She starts opening up a little bit with Cassian. She's you know, worried about Cassian. She's pacing the battlefield. She says Cassian's name.
1: Which is the first time she's ever thought of somebody aside from her sister.
0: Exactly. Elaine. And then, <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then at the end, it kind of all cum- um, like accumulates and-, and she throws herself over Cassian to die together. And then she sees her father die. And then that is the end. She's, she's closed up again. And, it, it's just it's just like she was getting better, she was getting better, she's getting better, and then she just falls right off a cliff and then and then we know that she just dies off of the cliff in frost and starlight, but it, in this book it's just i i don't know it it really it really struck me
1: do you feel like your thoughts of Nesta changed because I know you weren't a fan of Nesta, do you feel like you Maybe not empathize, but
0: sympathize. Maybe a little bit of empathy, you know. I mean, a little. I mean, she's still a really shitty person, but that's just my opinion. But I I just it, it struck me this time, this reread that she was getting better. And then she then her dad came through for her you know, in this way that she never expected. He he comes in, he saves the day, sort of. He's got the boat named after her. He says that he loves her. He's proud of her, you know, da 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 And then he dies right in front of her. And then all the progress that she made is just gone. It's gone immediately. And, I mean, I say that she's a shitty person because she takes that out on the people that are closest to her. So instead of continuing to to slowly open up and... And communicate in a healthy way. (laughs) He locks it all down again, and not only does she revert to where she was, she goes so much deeper, and it gets so much worse. That is what really stuck out for me. This, I, I
1: don't know. The more, and I don't know if TikTok has skewed. We've had this conversation that I don't know. I didn't like Nesta initially. I said, you know, maybe there are things that I don't like about her because there are also reflective and things that I don't like about myself. Um, but she is the person that I, re- I see a lot of myself in Nesta. And I think that's frustrating because the th- it's the things that I don't like about her are, the, are a lot of the things that I'm just like, uh, look in the mirror, chick. But I, I think there's something to be said And I've said this around the beginning, though, I'm intrigued about her relationships. I mean, she, like you said, with her thing, with watching her dad die, there was also some closure there that she had this hate for her dad for so long. He comes through with an armada. The leading ship is named after her and her dad finally came through. And that was also a reflection of her dad's own issues of I wasn't a provider and here I am. I can provide for them even for this moment. There's going to be growth there because you can't go through these experiences and not grow from them. Whether that growth is positive or negative, we don't know. So that'll be interesting. I do. I do. I'm just intrigued to see how everything unfolds. You know, I don't know if part of the also part of the reason I started to lean towards Nesta is the way people depict her on TikTok. And sometimes it's so funny, and I go, Yep, yeah, that's Nesta. Oh, she's, a, she's just a hoot, <laughs> you know.
0: Shout out to Bethany Mastrash for her fantastic Nesta. Oh, she's the best fucking queen, Bethany. She's so good. My final, final thought before we dive into Tamlin is that I ship uh, Vasa and Lucian. I like them together. I ship them together. Um, That's the hill. That's one of the many hills that I'll die on. Really? Yeah. I just, I think, I think Elaine is, uh, I mean, besides being completely boring and slightly useless, I I just think that she, she doesn't, there isn't enough oomph there. And like Lucian, Lucian needs someone, someone like fiery, someone that wants to be alive, someone that... You know, is is like willing. It's interesting to
1: say that because I now I'm thinking of when Alice in the first book was like, oh, you know, go to go to Tamlin to get like information or something. He's definitely somebody you need to push back on or give some sass. And he, and Pharaoh was always pushing back on him and giving him that tit for tat. And then come to this book, Tamlin knows this. And sees you know whenever he sees Lucian with Feyre, he knows like there's there's something about obviously because Tamlin loves Feyre, but he knows that Feyre is something someone that Lucian would be all about. So then that whole infiltration unfolds, which I we didn't talk about that in this episode, but we could do it in the recap. I fucking love like I love the espionage
0: of it all, like femme fatale, bad bitch. Fera Archeron. Yes. Well, let's just let's just dive right into Tamlin. <laughs> we're we're kind of going to end this episode on on a little exploration of Tamlin in this book. So let's talk about him and let's be very up clear in front. Tamlin sucks balls. OK, Tamlin has two saving saving qualities to, to me.
1: He brought he helped bring Reese back and he brought Fera to Prithian. Those are my two redeeming qualities. And that's why I like the TikTok where she goes, I am a young woman in the woods and I will take Reese. I'll take Lucia. I'll even take
0: Tamlin at this point. Bitch me too. Just get me there. Yeah. I'll wait in the woods for a 500 plus year old female to kidnap me. (laughs) Please, please please take me. Please take me. Uh, It can be Tamlin. (laughs) Just get me there. Fine. Um, Tamlin. Tamlin. Sucks. He, uh, where, where do even, where do even start? I think you have to start with his anger issues. He's violent. If you go back, I mean, obviously, we're gonna go back and we're gonna talk about Akatar. I mean, that's coming, obviously. But, um, you know, you go back and you read Akatar and you forgive all these red flags and you're just like, "Ah, ah, ah." and then you read Mr. Fury and you're like, oh, fuck him. And then you read this book. And I mean, damn, right? Like he.
1: (sighs) Exactly. I feel like we're exasperated because that's just how Tamlin is. You see the red flags, you see the anger, you see the lack of accountability, which I hated in Acafas. It's Woe is me. I can't have anybody at the walls because Feyre uh, had, like, my sentries aren't here. Like, no. You had Feyre infiltrated because of what you put her through. Like, where's the accountability, sir? And there's just so many... I mean, even from, he's not a feminist or believes in equal rights. He doesn't believe in being high lady. He only believes like, you're my, you know, you're my wife. You'll be the lady of the spring court. You must always, basically, you are to be seen, but not heard. And that mentality is just that. And if that's what he means, like, great, maybe, maybe Elaine is his mate. But even, even then, as right now, Elaine seems like a throwaway character. She's also a seer. And I don't think Tamlin can handle somebody who who has this power who could be like, not not even. I just he can't handle anybody. He deserves to be lonely. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. He doesn't deserve happiness. I don't know where that comes from. Why, why does everybody have to have a happily ever after? You made your bed. Now lay in it.
0: You make a, a really good point about responsibility because let's let's all remember let's remember Ianthi let's remember that Tamlin and Ianthi are in the like courtyard of the spring court and there's that soldier there that lost the keys. Now we know that Ianthi stole the keys to let in the monsters to plot. But Tamlin's the one that lets Ianthi tell him to whip this man like 21 times he didn't have to that wasn't something that it's not a law uh he needed he felt that he needed to like assert himself and show discipline and it was a bad decision and he's influenced by ianthi and even in the second book, in Akamath,
1: where he's doing the tithe because it has to be done and we need to, you know, and then the wraiths didn't have the fish or whatever. And he goes, OK, we'll come back in a couple weeks. You, fish don't, aren't just going to come back in two weeks. And so then he accepted the tithe of the jewelry fairer gave him. Who's to say, like, if he just had to bring them something, if the wraiths just had to bring him anything, why couldn't they have just been like, here's a pile of leaves? here is our type it had to he's just so high and mighty for no reason he brings no value like he just doesn't bring any value to any of the courts at least you have what is it the day court has all the technology and the reading and then i feel like with summer court there's a lot of seafare and warriors and that's a whole thing what what is spring court giving me
0: Mai? a fairy orgy is that their only contribution Oh, well, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the yearly orgy.
1: And you want to call
0: Feyre a whore? I'm sorry. I'm just really like. <laughs> no, exactly. 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 Go off when Tamlin <laughs> says what he says in the High Lords meeting. When he says, does she still make that little noise <gasps> when she's about to orgasm? Talking about Feyre in front of everybody. Okay, let's slut shame Feyre. Who's my shit
1: there is not which is unfortunate there is not a woman in this world who hasn't experienced a man like tamlin to try to slut shame her she has been with three people her first tamlin and reese and he has fairy orgies
0: for over 500 years yeah and he's like, oh, 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 but that, I mean, circle back around to communication. We, we talked about it kind of earlier, like Tamlin is bitter. He's hurt. We know that he is violent and he can't express himself and he has a bad temper. So the only way that he can kind of convey these feelings is to try to humiliate this woman that he is still deeply in love with. In front of everybody. And it's just such a shitty thing to do. And, and I, I think it, it speaks to the other high lords. Who are also kind of like. Dude that's really like shitty. But also how sexy is it. When Reese just like rips the air out of his throat. There's just. Reese is sexy to begin with. We're not even going to go
1: there. But every, like, there's certain things. That just stand out. And just the calm disposition. That he has while he does it. That control.
0: please. Sim for him any day any day any day and then i just I, I go back to tamlin trashing the house it's just such a stereotypical like white boy thing to do i mean i've seen a lot of TikToks. He's such a fucking chad exactly the tiktoks that are like oh when i get mad i punch through the wall it's like okay chad i mean go to therapy <laughs> Chad is the millennial Karen. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. But like, really. And I like in this book specifically, Farah kind of kind of pokes him a little bit when they're fighting. And this time when he explodes, there's lots of exploding in this book. Wait, when she pokes at, at the beginning or at... In the beginning. Okay. Um, she she pokes Tamlin's temper a little bit, right? So that the guards oh. outside can hear. And and when he explodes. And she doesn't put her defenses up? Yeah. So she she lets all the like wood or whatever, like scrape her up and shit so that everybody else can, can see the abuse. Because that's what it is. Let's be very clear. Right. So that everybody else can see the abuse. And then, you know, go back to she can't use her old bedroom because he went in and trashed it that's why she has to she has the room across from Lucian. it's like well also let's not forget that was part of
1: i I think it might have i can't remember your you have a fresher take not only did she not want to move in she wanted to be closer to Lucian. well yeah so she was like i don't know if this room is better like maybe i should just be on this wing of the house like this this old room brings back such memories
0: but also it had been completely sealed off because and there's a callback in it. The room had been sealed off, and it had been completely covered in, in thorns Oh you know, a cord of thorns and yeah <gasps> Yeah, yeah. Reread, That's a reread. So, the room is totally covered in vines and thorns that came in through the window and it's trashed, and everything is gone and he shredded all of her clothes and for night gore yeah and, and everything so and then I mean it plays into her plan, obviously, but I mean he didn't have to do that. Why is that and then you know he trashes his study and it's and just it crazy. all comes back to accountability
1: he's trashing her stuff and he has no right to he did it to himself he did it the second he locked her up and put her in and again this will it'll be discussed in Akamath episode but he did it to himself there's no accountability if he has anybody to be pissed at be pissed at himself but he doesn't want to because woe is me
0: i'm the victim well, let's let's go back to the the fantastic High Lord's meeting when he goes. You know, you. He's talking to Reese. He's like, "You came in and stole my bride." And Feyre throws the gauntlet down, and she goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. The sun was shining when I left you." So let's be clear. She, you know, Feyre is removed from the situation, and obviously, she's in a loving, happy relationship with Reese, but. Um I, I, I really like that she can go back and see all these red flags that she missed in Aqatar. Sounds like a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, hindsight's 2020 and her face sight really gives her the extra 2020 to see that um Tamlin is abusive. He is uh, he's, he's just a piece of shit he's, he's just a piece of shit like so why does
1: everybody want him to have a redemption like i'm a, you know i'm totally with you here which begs me to ask why do we feel we as in the community not you and i we that he needs a redemption
0: arc well he already had it uh, he had it in, yes right he had like, it. He's, he's done it's over period um, he brought Reese back to life. You could also say that he gave Pharaoh the extra like boost or whatever to get out of the camp when, when she right. was trying to fly away with Briar. Um, you know that's the, uh, he, he comes through with Jurian and and Grayson, the army. Like he he's done. So I like I don't understand honestly. I really don't understand why we needed those extra scenes in Frost and Starlight. Uh, to to be like oh so sad so sad so sad so sad oh and
1: that's also sexy when Reese goes to Tamlin yeah. and he's like kind of he's really rubbing it in his face he's like I got it all
0: yeah no for real it, it is it is well everything you know everything <laughs> so like Tamlin's story is
1: done and over with the only way I'd want to see Tamlin again is if Sarah redoes a Court of thorn and roses like books one through three in Reese's perspective.
0: Oh, yeah, the only no way
1: I want to see Tamlin again
0: yeah that that's the only way, and of course, um, we talked about it earlier, like fan theories and how fan theories kind of color how we see everything, like is Elaine a good mate for Tamlin? I say mate loosely because you know, but
1: T- and Tamlin said, let's not forget that Tamlin still doesn't have a mate, right people are freaking out like he me why. One, again, like, why do he's not value added anymore? So I don't know what Sarah plans on doing if she plans on doing anything with Tamlin. Um, But he doesn't he's so hung up on favor. Like, you could love somebody. And I guess maybe that's its own conversation of like, you can have multiple loves. That doesn't mean that they're your soulmate or they're your mate or whatever, which is clearly what Tamlin is going through. But she's not his mate. And she never was. Never was.
0: She, oh. she, never, she never was. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about it in Mist and Fury, but Farrah says that fantastic line, like, I think I would have fallen in love with the first person that showed me any sort of comfort and safety. That's what she, <sighs> that's what she needed at the time. And then mm-hmm. she, she realized that, well, she realized that, which is like huge, but also that's not what she needs anymore because she's her own person. And Tamlin hasn't gone through any growth. He's still the same immature Chad that he was in the beginning. If you think about it, it's not just in the beginning of Akatar, but like 500 years
1: ago, because even when him and Reese were BFFs, he was still a piece of shit killing his mom. for. And I don't know if we're going to get that information of the why of killing his mom and sister and then being pissed that Reese's dad killed Tamlin's mom. You're you just killed half of his family, and now again, Tamlin wants to be upset at Reese. Really? You literally just set up a
0: massacre. Just fuck this guy, fuck this guy. Yeah. So I, I think we've made it clear about how we feel about Tamlin. Not every character needs a redemption arc, and let's segue into our our final thought for this episode, which is Eris. Um. During my reread, it became very clear that because of Eris and his deal with Rhys, that Eris is probably going to eventually murder his entire family and become High Lord of the Autumn Court, and Rhys has to support him. That is the plot that was hatched. So we will have more of Eris, and Eris says to more. In the the history that he has with more
1: you don't know what you're talking about you don't you don't know what you're talking about yeah he has different little quips that he says to her.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, it was way more complicated than you think. You don't know everything, or I was protecting you. He implies that he knew that she preferred females, so he needed to. He does imply that. I don't. Again, I haven't reread it, yeah. so I don't know how black and white it is now. Yeah, he he implies that he knows her preference, so he was he was trying to make it very clear that their engagement was over and it was never going to happen. He kind of implies that he didn't have much to do with the, the nailing and leaving of her uh, in the woods. That's kind of implied, but but not a lot. Um, so we're we're getting we're getting more of Eris. And I guess my question just to you is, why do we need this?
1: I, I don't I don't know if we do. Or is he a bridge to something else? To and, and I say that with the theory, maybe not a fully formed theory, but I know I've messaged you about it, is could it mean something for long term for Lucian? Is it something to set Lucian up for in regards to if people find out that Helion, it, Lucian is Helion's son and it's been alluded to? Amron says specifically, like, in regards to Lucian taking over certain things and... I think there could be a possibility. What if Helion dies and then that power that happens when a High Lord dies goes to Lucian and then Lucian starts overseeing that court and Eris is, so now you have brothers and opposing courts both becoming High Lords. I don't know. And and that's something that I find interesting with the Silver Flames cover with the Day Court insignia.
0: Yep, yeah, that's a really good point. And of course we talked about, you know, toxic everything last week and how everybody was very, very toxic about the cover. Um, but the fact is we don't know the story. We don't know what's going to happen. So, eh, but again, do we need, do we need a redemption arc for Eris? Not everybody needs a redemption arc.
1: Not everybody needs a redemption arc, which I think is a perfect segue for next week. When we talk about redemption arcs, specifically, redemption arcs and villains and lack of redemption arcs specifically in female characters.
0: Yes. Women. I mean, as, as we know being women, women are not treated the same in anything, but especially women villains, their redemption arcs or lack of what it means. Great examples. And maybe even not specifically villains, but just um, people who are villainized. I'm thinking specifically of Taylor Swift. So that is going to be the focus of our episode next week. So make sure to tune in for that. And make sure you check out
1: our Instagram page that we try to keep as active as possible at Akafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E Podcast on your Instagram
0: feeds. And we look forward to, uh, you know, seeing you next week. So have a great day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>